For many people, you mention Reading and the first thing that springs to mind is the famed festival. The Reading Festival, which will once again take place this August, is the world's oldest popular music festival to still be in existence, with countless bands and artists having played at the summer event over the last five decades. But breweries, as we all know, also have a special way of putting places on the map, and outfits such as Double Barreled are doing just that for the celebrated Berkshire town. Hello, my name is Tim Sheehan and welcome to the Brewers Journal podcast. Meet Double Barreled, a concept that began when its co-founders Mike and Lucy Clayton Jones got married back in 2015. With Mike being a passionate home brewer for many years prior, they created their first branded Double Barrel beer as their wedding favour, as a nod to Mike's much begrudged surname. Having loved creating their own brand of beer and sharing their beers on a larger scale than ever before, this idea became the pathway to where they are today. And later this year, the Reading-based brewery turns five. So with that in mind, we invited co-founder Lucy to give a talk on the brewery's journey so far. Recorded live at North's Springwell in Leeds, Lucy shares her experiences in helping run a brewery, the importance of community, a love of travel, and how the business has navigated the challenges and hurdles that have come their way. Hi everyone, um, I just wanted to say a big thank you very much for having me. I'm sorry I'm a year late. I, I, did, I got COVID last time I was meant to come, which is just classic. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm very happy to finally be here up in Leeds and just big thank yous for having me. I'm also a little bit daunted to be in here with so many people that I really admire and respect. So uh, please bear with me if I'm a little bit shaky as we go along. Um, so Tim asked me to tell you a little about who we are at Double Barreled. Um, so he briefly mentioned it was founded by myself um, and my husband, Mike. He sat over there, he said he didn't, he didn't want everyone to look at him, so there we go, I've just made sure I, <laughs> everyone's looking at him. Um, we're based in uh, the small town of Reading, we're actually the largest town in the UK, but we're not a city and it really pains us that we're not a city. Um, we started in 2018 officially um, and we brew a big range, wide range of beers um, into keg, can, um, a couple of lovely, delicious, um, big imperial stouts, uh, German style lagers, that sort of stuff. Um, but how did we start? Well, Double Barreled was absolutely never meant to be a business whatsoever. Um, it actually started uh, back in sort of 2014 when um, Mike and I were planning our wedding. Uh, Mike was a very keen home brewer at the time. Um, we, I sort of think of him as a person that if he likes something, he wants to know how it's made and then make it himself. I, I can exemplify this by the fact that at the moment, um, he has um, re a real passion for smoked meats. Um, so he's taken it upon himself to uh, learn how to weld and has welded his own meat smoker. Um, and in a few weeks time, he has uh, booked himself onto a butchery course so he can learn how to butcher a whole cow, um, which tells you a lot about like our hobbyist lifestyle that we <laughs> live at home. I am completely the opposite, by the way. <laughs> so anyway, I digress. Um, so we uh, decided to create a homebrew as a wedding favour for all of our guests at our, our wedding. Um, and we called it, it's, it's so twee, it's ridiculous. Uh, we called it Double Barreled because I was taking Mike's Double Barreled surname. He didn't like having a Double Barreled surname, so 
you know, classic piss take, it's all good. Um, the beer was called Ginger Bearded, because I'm ginger, he's bearded. Um, and it's just, yeah, it was pretty awful, to be honest. Um, it was a terrible beer. Um, but what, um, what I did find from that is that we loved working together. Um, we actually had loads of complementary skill sets. So my background was food and drink marketing. Mike's was in operations and sort of understanding production side of stuff. And we thought, how can we kind of make this work in, in life, really? Um, we'd actually had a really lot of hefty blows in the run-up to our wedding in a personal sense. Um, we sort of quite bleakly like to describe that period in our life. Um, well, we don't like to describe it. We do describe it as um, four funerals and a wedding. Um, so it was a, a really sort of a dark time. But that what, what really made us realise um, is you've got to take chances in life when you get them. Um, and when we came back from our honeymoon, we decided to register the name on company's house. And we were like, yes, this is one day this is going to happen. And we're going to do something with this in it. But we didn't know what it was going to be. And we just sort of parked it whilst we went back to our corporate lives. Um, so fast forward from that uh, shocking homebrew back in uh, 2015, that it was. Um, we um, now have a team of 10 full-time employees. Um, we operate in a big old warehouse um, with lots of space to grow. We've been always very ambitious about that. Um, we have a 15-barrel mash kit, um, mash kit, brew kit, and um, six 55-heck and four 30-heck uni tanks um, with, yeah, lots of space to grow, and we can can on site as well, which is great. Um, we have two core beers, Parker, which is a 4.5% pale ale, which is available upstairs if you haven't tried it before. Very delicious and Ding, a 4.9% uh, Keller Lager, named after Red Ding. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> um, so there's forecast to make up to around 75% of our total production this year. Um, we supply a heck of a lot of permanent lines with those, so they're really big, big sellers for us. It's very different to how we started when we were in our garage, when we were planning. We were like, we're going to be with the UK's brewery that's focused solely on big stouts and sours. Um, and then suddenly when we moved into this new place and we had to pay this thing called rent, um, we suddenly realized that actually brewing lots of pails and lagers is quite a good idea. Um, but we do brew a range of specials as well. So we still do brew our, um, our um, big imperial stouts when we can afford to and our fruit sours when we can afford the fruit, um, but also nice hoppy IPAs and all the rest of it. We also have a 12-line, um, really community-focused tap room, which actually has space for 210 covers, um, indoor and out when the sun is shining. Um, and as you can see, we have grown quite a lot away from a, that sort of initial homebrew with the terrible label that I look back on in shame. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about how we did that. Cool, so the first thing we did was um, we booked some holiday um, from our, our, our jobs on a how to start a brewery course at Brew Lab in Newcastle, as you do. Um, and that, at that point, we realized we had a hell of a lot to learn in all parts of brewing. And, and anyone who is um, a brewery owner will understand that it's not just about the brewing, it's the whole business, it's the whole, the whole piece. Um, we also realized that um, one of the things we wanted to do is just, we didn't know what we wanted to do, we just wanted to do something, whether it was a bar, uh, whether it was a brewery, a uh, bottle shop. Um, and we spent a lot of time traveling and experiencing different things, especially using that mantra of you only live once. Um, we spoke to loads of different brewers all over the, the world, kind of asked as many questions as we could feasibly get to get, gain as much knowledge as we possibly could. Um, a lot of people asked what, what was the best learning, who was the best, best people you speak, spoke, spoke to. 
Um, actually, for me, it was um, a brewery um, in Adelaide in Australia called Big Shed. Um, when we went there, there was um, two guys who were just super passionate about beer um, and really, really willing to share their stories and their learnings. And they talked about the fact that um, they had a really, really crap day uh, where at their tap room, which they'd opened in the middle of nowhere, as we all do, um, they had taken $7 on a whole Saturday. And they, called, they always said it can never get as bad as $7 Saturday. Um, and that actually formed one of the first beers we ever brewed, was called $7 Saturday. And in 2019, they actually managed to come over and brew a beer with us, which was really cool. Um, and then actually we've seen them from afar go from strength to strength. So despite the lockdown, they've got now like a team of 60 people and a huge brewery and it's really amazing to see that. So um, that was great for us to, to learn. But over the years, we really kind of perfected the vision of what we wanted Double Barrel to be, sort of hidden off in the background, not really knowing people in the industry. Uh, Mike did eventually go, when we sort of really focused on starting up, Mike went into Dre work and I worked in a bar, so sort of top of tailing on business um, building, basically. And then we went through our first mighty expansion from a 23-litre homebrew kit to a 120-litre uh, stainless steel kit with two FEs uh, that was all designed to maybe one day become our future pilot kit. Uh, we then got all of our approvals for our garage to be commercially uh, registered, spent a lot of time recipe developing, and uh, when we felt we finally were ready, uh, we jumped onto uh, Craft Beer Rising Festival, which is now Brew, Brew London, and go, right, let's just, just give this a go, let's give it our best possible shot. Um, and it took us four months to brew enough beer to take that to that festival, uh, because of how small our kit was. Uh, but actually, that was such a big uh, win for us, um, because we met loads of people in the industry um, who hadn't. We had you know, bottle shops, we had a distributor say, I want everything coming out of your first set of tanks. Um, and it just helped us network and speak to lots of people. And it really helped solidify the fact that actually it wasn't just our friends and family being nice. Um, we were, the beers we produced were standing at a level. Uh, the branding was, was fitting and it gave us the confidence to uh, take the next step and leap into our, our big old unit which was one of the things that we had learned from speaking to lots of brewers is to, to get a bigger unit than you need so you can grow into it. Um, oh, that was all the easy, nice, fun bit. Um, and what I can only describe is a very steep learning curve. Uh, we moved up to a 24-litre, a hectolitre kit, um, and we released our first beers in November 2018, um, and then we, we launched um, cans about two weeks after that, and at our tap room two weeks after that. Um, and that was as a team of two. So that was good, good fun at that time. Had a lot of energy then. Uh, <laughs> um, but that's kind of where I sort of wanted to focus a little bit on is that, you know, for the large part of that first year, it was just Mike and I. Um, and I think actually looking back, that really, really kind of restricted our, our growth. Um, we weren't able to look at the bigger picture. Um, and with the tap room, you know, it was great. It was um, immediate cash into the business. But at the same time, we were in a situation where that comes around every week. The menu needs doing, the toilet needs cleaning, it needs looking after. Even if it was a, in our heads, oh, just a Friday and Saturday night, it's still quite an intensive thing. Um, it wasn't until we, we, know we really needed to up our game on canning and the quality control that we actually brought in um, our first external recruit. And it's a really big decision to do that, to suddenly pay someone's wage. It was a, a big old worrying time. Um, but I think looking back, a tap room should have always had a manager, and then that way we could have actually focused on the, 
all the other stuff that you have to do uh, when you run your own brewery. Um, this is also showing that how much the, time, the tap room has always dominated our, our revenue as a business. Um, it's not something that we planned, certainly not what we told planning permission we'd do anyway, um, but it's, it's, it's always been a bit of an over-dominator for us and it's something that as we change as a business that we, we know we love it, but we are going to have to change that focus to, to volume. Um, ultimately, um, it's, I think where we've learned is that only Mike and I have the vision of what we really want Double Barrel to be. I think that's maybe changing now that we've got the team on board and we kind of do try and remember to focus on the, the bigger picture. But in this world, you're always like firefighting constantly. There's always something to come up. And especially, uh, it's been mentioned a few times today, over the last few years, there's been a few fires to, to fight. Um, but on the plus side, the fact that Mike and I were really close to the business, it really helped us during the pandemic. We did furlough our team of five uh, down to back to two. Um, and we could do everything again, and that really helped us save money. Um, and you know, when it's your own business, you're kind of fond of a bit of burnout, aren't you? Really, <laughs> um, a nervous laugh there. Um, uh, but also, we're really close to our community. So um, I think by that, uh, we were still you know very new, but people knew us. We they'd come into the tap room, they'd met Mike and I, they'd heard our, our story and our journey, um, and then now we were the people that were delivering the beer to them. Um, during lockdown and they were happy and smiling and that was really nice so we were really lucky to do that um, and I think we owe a lot to the people of Reading for keeping us going during that time but ultimately I think what I'm trying to get to is um, just because you can do everything in your business doesn't mean you should and I think actually some of the biggest learnings we've had is about you know like structuring that team and building that team correctly and um, we've changed our strategy a bit more on that sort of resourcing side um, kind of more focusing on hiring people for where we want to be, not necessarily where we are now. Um, and that's, that's definitely something that's going to be changing in the next couple of uh, months, to be honest. Um, but it's really hard to hire great people as well. And I think one of the things that we didn't appreciate whilst we had a budget for a team initially um, is how, how much time and resource it can do to do interviews, to find people, and also to convince something, someone that, you know, you're that little garage brewery that you had is going somewhere I, I really promise uh, it is <laughs> um, so yes it's, it's quite a challenging thing to do but I think when we've built that team and you get the right people in that team it's the most amazing feeling um, because you know you're suddenly all in it together and they they believe it as much as you and they can see the, the bigger picture um, and whilst it's really odd when you're you run a brewery as a couple you've, you've gambled both your incomes on it um, and again it's been mentioned before is that there's actually no bigger motivator when you're paying for your team's, you know, mortgage, rent or nursery or, or whatever. You know, you've got to really kind of push that extra bit harder because it's not just about you maybe taking a cut on having beans on toast in during the hard times. It's you've got to keep it going for them. And I didn't think I could ever factor that in pre having a, a team. Um, you might have gathered through some of my little quips along the way as I'm quite a... Uh, self-depreciating person, uh, but I'd also like to consider myself as an honest person. Um, and um, I wanted to share with you some of my learnings uh, that we've had um, <laughs> through um, very much my side of the, 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 the business, which was the business side. Um, I don't expect you to read this, please, please don't, because it's just me rambling on. Um, but I think what the, the point is, is that um, every business has its challenges and um, ha will have its learnings. No matter how experienced anybody in this industry was before starting, 
they, you could have never anticipated the challenges that this industry um, has uh, faced. And um, you just have to adapt, you have to be resilient, you have to look at those challenges and learn from them and just go, just go for it. And you know, it's been really nice to hear that lots of businesses have felt, felt a little challenging over the last couple of years because you know, it is lonely out there and it is, it is hard sometimes. Um, and I definitely don't think I would have started in 2018 had we known um, what we know now, but there we are. Um, and ultimately, you, as a business person and a brewer, you've just got in this to make a really nice beer and share it with your friends and family and just be proud of it. And sometimes when you're facing all this shit, you're like, <laughs> what the hell do I do that for? <laughs> but it's, it's fine, it's fine. Um, we're still standing. Oh, with a G, we lost the G, but we're still standing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, oh, I've definitely got a bit crazy, it's fine. Um, right, so um, we are still growing and we've really grown. We were really lucky to have grown and um, we have a fantastic team and we have really great customers and yeah, we're really, really lucky to have done that. And i you know, be honest, there's been loads of times that I thought that this was all going to go completely peak tong, to be honest. Um, and I do feel grateful that we're, we're still here. Um, and, and this, in last, this last uh, financial year, we will have turned over just over um, 1.1 million, um, which, um, you know, it sounds great, but I'm going to get a little bit Alan's sugar on you now and say turnover is uh, vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is God-hard reality. Um, so whilst it's great and we are growing, there's, we'll still have to get that balance back into the business, and it's still a really challenging environment, even in... Um, Good times, or I suppose growing times, let's say. So what's next um, for DB? Um, well, just over now, five years ago, we were in our garage, and I'm, now I'm here chatting to you, uh, giving you some tips on the learnings along the way, and that is pretty cool, um, which is really excited. And I think it is really easy to get bogged down in the negatives. I've definitely uh, done that, and I think for all those lovely photos on social media, that's showing uh, businesses being really successful um, or, or you know, our business being successful or, or whatever, um, I still worry about money every single day. And I would, um, my biggest focus is to make sure that we're in a position that if an unexpected bill lands on my desk, that I know that we've got the cash in the bank to pay for it and it's not going to impact us um, as much as it currently does to do that. Um, I think when you've got a big picture in your mind of where you want to get to and where you want to go, and you're not there, sometimes you can feel like things aren't progressing as much as you need and think we take similar ambitions as Miranda and Bates. You know, we had a vision of how, what our growth had to be um, and we're still trying to focus that. And sometimes it can be a bit hard when you're still always pushing, always pushing um, all the time. But I do think if any business within our industry is still going after the last uh, couple of years, let alone growing, then it is something to be really um, proud of. Um, and you might have noticed this one, um, but I'm pregnant. Um, so, <laughs> um, due in... Uh, <laughs> didn't expect the clap, but thanks, everyone. Um, so that's going to be a big, big old change for uh, a DB. Um, I don't really know how you're a managing director and you take maternity leave, um, but, and I think we'll, we'll figure it out somehow. Um, but uh, we have got some really good, like, Hires coming on board, uh, but realistically, they're not going to be able to get rid of me that easily. Um, so, uh, you know, this DB was Minor Mike's sort of first, first baby, as they say. 
Um, and we're very much sort of keen to focus and, and carry on that um, vision together um, as our, in our business. So um, it's really, really exciting. And with that in mind, I think what one of that things ha has changed is that we really have to be focused on the future and where we're getting to and how we're going to get there um, and stop firefighting. Um, and so if we have a team to, to resource to, to help us fight the fires, then we can be looking at the, the future. Um, so for, for Double Barreled, hopefully the future is a, a little bit <laughs> brighter than it has been. Um, but if we can achieve our goals whilst remaining true to our values, um, then we can't really ask much more than that. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time to listen, especially for the last session in the day. I really appreciate it. But now it's time for a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Brewers Journal Podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by Tim Sheehan. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And special thanks to Lucy Clayton-Jones of Double Barreled. <laughs>